If you are a new product manager, you should definitely listen to this episode. Trust me, this one is worth your time. So here's the deal with product management. It's like a buffet with a million options. Ask a bunch of product managers what do they do in the day-to-day -day life and you'll get a different answer from each one of them. No wonder why everyone is confused as to what exactly is product management. Now let me tell you why this episode is a game changer. At least for me, it was more like a light bulb moment. See, as a newbie in product management world, I've had my fair share of doubts about whether this career is the right one for me. But this episode breaks down the different flavor of product management. And after tuning in, I can definitely say that I found my flavor. I almost wish I knew this earlier though, so that I wouldn't doubt myself as much as I did before I had a talk with my guest today. In the very first episode of Product League Podcast, I said that before we start our product management career, we should ask ourselves, why do I want to become a product manager? But this time, I've learned that an equally important question to ask yourself is also, what is my product management type? I hope this episode inspires you to discover your perfect match to the world of product management so that you can chase it from the very beginning. So do yourself a favor and give this episode a listen and let me know if this episode helps you identify the product management type. Let me introduce you to my guest for today. Hi, I am Ishwarya Agarwal, and currently I am a product manager at YouTube, where I'm working on the YouTube app that runs on televisions. Besides working for YouTube for more than four years, previously Ashwaya has worked at Google for more than four years as well, among other companies. What makes Ashwaya product management journey special is that she has tried several product management types. She worked as a growth product manager, innovation product manager, data products manager, and a traditional product manager. In this episode, we will delve deep into each product management type that Ashwaya has experienced, and we will discuss the skills that each type requires, but most importantly, which background is preferred at each one of them, business or technical. Let's start with the first product management type, that is growth product management. In recent years, there has been a notable increase in the introduction of this role within startups and tech companies, particularly in organizations that have embraced a product-led growth strategy. A recent Google Trends analysis for growth product manager shows a 425% increase in average monthly interest over the last five years. And the recent people search on LinkedIn returns over 2,600 professionals with a title that contains the word product and growth. But what exactly is a growth product manager? So growth product management to me, like it also took me a while to understand, but essentially it is analyzing your entire customer funnel from awareness, acquisition, activation, retention, and then reacquisition, analyzing that entire customer funnel and figuring out what are the opportunities that exist across that funnel and where is it that you can get most bang for your buck finding those opportunities and then just obsessively, iteratively, and at a very large volume running experiments, just running lots and lots of experiments, however small they might be, because things start to add up and running those experiments to grow your product. Growth is called very famously a game of inches. And that's what it really is. When you're operating at that speed, you probably are not in a position to make large sweeping changes to your product. So what you want to do is find these opportunities and really start to make A-B changes. 
really like drill down and be obsessive about what changes you can make, they will start stacking on. If you're finding the right opportunities and if you're focusing on the most impactful parts of the funnel, things will start to get add up. If you've run 10, 20, 30 experiments, let's say 10 of them succeed, it will start to add up and you will literally have a snowball effect where you'll start to grow your product. So that's what growth product mm. management is, looking at acquisition, retention, churn prevention for your product, building models and running experiments against those. So uh, in growth part, I, I mean, is it close to sales in general? So how, how closely do you work with sales and with customers? Or do you also speak with customers directly in a sense? How, what is the relationship between growth product management and, and sales, for example? That's a great question. So there's not as much of a relation between sales and growth product management, but there is very close collaboration between marketing and growth product management. Okay. And mm. I actually made the jump from marketing. And the reason is because when you have, let's say, I was working on YouTube at the time and we are growing a subscription product. So any opportunity that I found was very closely related to marketing, like marketing had to realize those opportunities. So for example, if you are going with acquisition and you're figuring out that, hey, some touch points for the customers work better than others, it is marketing that you will work very closely with to then start doubling down on those touch points. Let's say you have direct response advertising and you find that that's not working as well, but maybe some other entry points within your product itself are a great entry point to get your customer to sign up. It is marketing that you work with to figure out how do you shift that strategy to get more customers to sign up. So it wasn't sales as much, but marketing, we were very closely intertwined in the growth product growth mm. product, and growth marketing. And when I think of this, this question comes naturally because when I think of growth product management, uh, you said customer acquisition, right? So it's yeah. quite, so there are clear KPIs out there. Customer acquisition, it either grows, it either stays, it either um, goes down. So is it one of the the metrics of success of a growth manager only the numbers of acquisition of customers? Because once we talk about other types of product management, other types of product management, the, the success is hard to measure. But I feel like for growth, it's quite obvious. Like, hey, acquisition went up. Congrats, you're a good growth uh, product manager. Is it how it works? That's a very good question. So first of all, I would very much agree with for growth, at least the metrics are super, super clear. But it's not always acquisition, um, which is our North Star metric. And here I was so fortunate to actually witness the evolution of those North Star metrics for YouTube Music and Premium. So when I first came on board at that time, we were just launching YouTube Music as its own separate app. And when you're doing something like that, in, initially, you really do care about acquisition because you want as many people as possible to try out your product, right? Mm -hmm. But then you don't know how users are actually retaining on the platform. And that's where that can be um, a mistake or an opportunity, right? That now you've gotten so many people to try out your product. Are they really staying? And if they're not staying, why aren't they staying? Mm -hmm. And the number one answer to that is because they're not finding value in your product. And then you have to go and figure out what is it that your product solves for this user that other products don't, right? Like if I'm thinking about YouTube music, what is it about YouTube music that appeals to these users that maybe Spotify or Pandora or Apple music doesn't solve for them? Mm -hmm. And how do I make sure that I'm really doubling down on that opportunity and making these users stay? So like you said, we actually initially did start out with acquisitions as our North Star metric. 
But mm-hmm. soon thereafter, like acquisition is great, but that's not what is going to sustain your business. Soon thereafter, we did move to how many people were actually converting from their free trial and then how many people were actually recurring members that eventually our Northstar became like how many paid members were we sustaining um, period over period? So that's a great mm-hmm. question. Like that's how we started. Um, mm-hmm. But acquisition is not always the Northstar. Okay, that's that's great because otherwise it would it would have made a sales role, and that is one of the reasons why I moved out of sales. It's all because it's numbers. No matter how good you are, if the numbers are not good, you're you're bad. So that's why yeah. I moved to product management. Okay, so let's go to who can be a growth product manager. What kind of skills uh, would a growth product manager need to succeed, uh, and who can be a growth product manager? Excellent question. So. Um, taking my example, when I transitioned, I transitioned from growth marketing, but I think the unique skill set that I had that made me transition um, and transition pretty smoothly to growth product management was analytical skills that I felt were the most important skills to have as a growth PM, to be able to build growth models, to see how people are coming into your platform what are the factors or feature usage that correlates with user retention? When is it that people like really hit that aha moment in your product? And how often do they churn? Why do they churn? Why do they come back? So uh, I was very um, adept at using SQL, which is um, which just helped me query all of the large tables, um, internal data tables at Google and really figure out like what is it that users were doing on the platform and figure out correlations. So analytical skills were paramount. Once mm. I had those and once I was able to find the opportunities and build models, that then just supercharged my ability to then partner with marketing and say, hey, these are the opportunities that I've identified. If we were to move X metric by say 2%, you would have um, an effect in your retention metric by let's say whatever that may be, whatever percentage that may be. But you're very clearly able to say that if you pursue this opportunity, this is the impact you have. And that's what they need. They want to know what are the opportunities, what is the opportunity size, and how much impact will it eventually have? Once you have that, once you know that, once you're like savvy with data and you can pull the data and you're self-sufficient with it, then the job becomes a lot easier. And that's where I felt like that was the topmost skill for me to have to be able to transition into a growth PM role. Okay, so let's take analytical skills. Uh, and in that regard, a uh, business person versus a technical person, who who has more chances to succeed in a growth product manager role? That's a great question. I would say, in my mind, I feel that a business person would mm. have more of chances of success. And again, I say this from the point of view that the only technical skills you need to have are analytical skills. And Mm. even if you don't know how to pull data, you can teach it to yourself pretty quickly. Or sometimes, depending on what size of the company you're working at, you might have data science support as well. But the business sense really comes into place because you're thinking about user psychology. You're thinking about price elasticity of your product. You're thinking about how do you enter new markets and what trade-offs do you make to enter new markets? How do you grow an existing market? What other um, value add could you tack on to your product that would attract new customers? So while data skills are important, I would say business skills are also pretty important. And that's where if we were to compare, I think business skills would win out against technical skills in a growth role. 
Aishwarya, you have no idea how much this podcast means to me because in every <laughs> podcast that I've had, uh, all the people that I've asked, so I come from a purely business background. Yeah. All the questions that I've asked, like technical business, they're like, mm, business is good, but technical are the most important ones. And oh, ever wow. since I started this uh, journey of uh, becoming a product manager, every single day I have doubts whether will I make it to a product manager or not? Because <laughs> I don't necessarily have the technical skills. So yeah. just you saying that business skills, at least for this type, are needed it really makes me hopeful that this is definitely the type that I should follow. And I'm really, really happy that uh, we're discovering all these types because it's really, really important for everyone to know that product management comes in different flavors. So to summarize, analytical skills are needed in here and also yep. business skills over technical will pretty much make you a more successful one. Okay, now you know which product management type is my type. Let's go to the next one. In early 2000s, companies like LinkedIn, Netflix, and Uber had a problem. Teams across organizations were working with data and lots of it at scale. Data was powering their product roadmap, fooling executive-level decision-making, and informing their paid marketing campaigns. Internal and external data was flowing in and out of the companies. There were regulations, guidelines, and restrictions for how this data could be used and by whom. But nobody was in charge of developing data solutions to make analytics operational, scalable, and accessible. As a result, the product data manager role was created to answer questions like, what data exists? Who needs the data? Where is this data flowing to and from? So that's why the second type is data product manager. What is a data product manager? Yeah. Oh my God. Um, so full disclosure, I think this was the hardest product management role that I had. Uh. And <laughs> <laughs> it was it was so hard and for several reasons, right? And um, so it took me a long while to understand what a data product manager is supposed to do. And I think that's part of why I struggled with this role. So <laughs> firstly, a data product manager's role internally was purely thinking about your the storage, the type of the data you store, how do you store it, and how can it be used to um, access insights at scale, right? That's what I was working on. And the reason I struggled it is it seemed like an engineer or a data scientist would have a much better understanding of data storage and how do you structure your data tables for easy querying than I would ever have. It wasn't anything related to business. It was so technical that I was always second guessing myself that do they even need me? Um, oh, my God. I, I approve that every single day. I approve what Ashwara is saying right now. Yeah. Um, and I was like, do they even need me? Like, all the only value I thought I was adding in this role was I was talking to everyone internally. I was talking to marketing. I was talking to other product managers, other teams, and asking, hey, what do you need from the data? Like, how do you want to access it? What? How frequently would you query it? Things like that. And once that was done, it, a lot of it was just pushing the engineers, keeping them motivated. And really, it was on them to figure out how do they really want to structure this. Exactly. They, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. If you're confused as to why I'm reacting like this, is that I'm doing an internship as a product manager at CBRE in a data products team. <laughs> and, 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 that was, and that was what... Again, I don't want to sound ungrateful. I'm so glad to have had this opportunity, but <laughs> I I really felt like, okay, now what, what do I do, right? Where do I go from here? Because now it's mostly an engineering thing. 
Um, I will say that, um, like I said, I did have data and analytical knowledge. So that helped quite a bit in being able to talk intelligently with the engineers and guiding them on how to make the product super easy for internal people to use. But I would still say that the job was mostly around figuring out how do you store and create data tables and refresh them at regular intervals that other people can access them. But also, other people are not as tech savvy. So if my internal teams are my users, they are not the ones pulling the data. They still want us to pull the data. All they need are insights. And it was just a very hard problem to solve with no, like, the another reason I found it hard was there was no external user-facing product. It was mostly an internal thing. And going into data product management so early in my career, I did find it a little demotivating. Not to demotivate oh other people out there, but yeah. <laughs> it was it was tough. Who can who can be a data product uh, manager? Yeah, I think with data product management, this is where more technical and business acumen is required. And I would say both are required. Firstly, if you just have technical acumen, you may be in a better position to figure out how the product should work. Um, like how should you structure your data tables? I have seen multiple examples of very successful data product managers at Google internally. So that's first thing. But secondly, you do need to have a business sense because what is like really understanding what problems are you trying to solve for your internal teams that does require a business sense you could throw the kitchen sink at the data tables and just have it have all the metrics and features that you could potentially think of for people to build models and for people to draw insights if you have good business sense you would actually know what are the metrics that really matter for your users which are your internal teams so here i felt more technical and slightly less business skills, that's the kind of person who might be successful in this role. But I also think you need to be highly motivated that a lack of a user-facing product doesn't um, doesn't demotivate you. That's that's really good. And to add to that, given that I'm also doing this experience in data products and I'm from a business perspective, yes, I'm struggling a lot. And I definitely agree that a technical person is more suited to, towards this role. But a slight uh, relationship building skills are the most important here for yeah. every product management type. And what I found out that very technical people sometimes might not have those relationship building skills. So exactly. uh, maybe we can add here that if there is a if you are a technical person listening here, just know that just because you're technical doesn't guarantee success in this in this role. You have to work on those soft skills and relationship building skills because that yep. those are going to save you as well. Uh, and that's why maybe as a business person, I'm still surviving into data products. <laughs> it's because relationships. Uh, I mean, that's what's keeping me going right now. <laughs> yep. So, not that I'm keeping score, but if I was, we have one for business, one for technical people. Let's go with a third product management role. This type is a professional responsible for driving and managing the innovation and development of new products or services within an organization. Their primary focus is on identifying opportunities for innovation, conceptualizing new product ideas, and leading cross-functional teams to bring those ideas to market successfully. This role is called an innovation product manager. But what exactly is this role? So this, I just came up with it. I'm sure there's, maybe there is such a thing as innovation PM. So when I went to Replit, I was actually hired to be a growth product manager. 
But as I worked more and more on the product and with the team, it became clear that the way we just defined growth product management in this earlier in this podcast, that wasn't how it was working at Replit. And there were multiple reasons for it. Maybe the product just wasn't at that stage. Maybe we didn't have the right um, tools in place to do growth experimentation. But I really felt like the product needed more sweeping and bigger changes to be able to drive growth versus just smaller um, experimentation. We weren't also charging people. So there was like a, a small skew of like subscription product, but that wasn't what we needed to focus on. We really needed to focus on how to get more people to use the platform and we didn't want to charge for it yet. So I felt like the company maybe did, needed some other kind of product management. And what I was solely focused on, let me just talk to users and find out what is it that they're struggling with and then we'll go from there. So I didn't care about what title I had. I just started doing user interviews. And I spoke to, I think, around 50 people and people really liked the product. So they were really willing to talk to me, which was great. I randomly reached out to people on Twitter and email and I and I asked them if they would um, spend like 30 minutes with me just talking about the product. And they did. I did about 50 user interviews. And what I found was people were just struggling to understand how to code. So Replit, for those who don't know, Replit offers like coding in the cloud. You can just get started no matter how terrible of a machine you have. Your machine doesn't need to be great. Everything happens in the cloud. So people, the users that I interviewed, almost everyone was saying, hey, I don't really know how to code. I want to learn. And then I have to open Replit and YouTube side by side. And then I have to watch these videos. And then I have to do these tutorials. It would be really great if you guys like had some in-product support for people who want to learn how to code. So Mm -hmm. again, paying no attention to what my title was, I talked to the CEO and I was like, this is where people are really struggling, that we our mission is to uh, bring the next billion software developers online, but these next billion software developers maybe don't know that they can develop software yet. So we need to teach them how to. And he was like, go do it. So he also did not care what title anyone had. So he was just like, yeah, make it happen. And so we, me, the engineer, the designers, and a couple of teachers, we literally created a learning platform for Replit where we started this 100 days of code program and we um, created these 15-minute short YouTube videos, which could be hosted right on Replit. And they were also on YouTube. So you could take your pick and then you could learn how to code. This was not my job, um, but mm. but no one cared. I didn't care. The company didn't care. Whatever it took to make the product succeed, I just found out whatever was this new opportunity to really get the next billion software developers online. And that was, at the time, getting a learning platform off the ground where other people could also post their content, where they could learn, and then where they could continue to build on Replit and make money. And I think that's where the entrepreneurial slash innovation PM term comes from, that you just do whatever it takes, regardless of what title you have, to really grow your product. Hmm. That sounds more like a startup uh, role, or or is it also in a big companies? That's a great question. To be honest, I have seen it at big companies also. Um, I personally, at YouTube, we have um, a lot of people who 
whose job is it to think creatively and to figure, hey, what are the next 10x opportunities? So I have seen this at big companies. Um, I don't know how tangible the ideas are, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But at least at a startup, I felt like you had the power to really drive it home. Exactly. Because there's no bureaucracy and there's no hierarchy. So you can actually do that. So just for the sake of the consistency, because you mentioned quite a lot of skills, but who can be an innovation product manager? Yeah, I think this one requires a lot of skills in my mind. You need to be very comfortable with ambiguity. Like I did not know what needed to be done. I just went and started talking to users. So you need to be comfortable with ambiguity. You need to be comfortable talking to users and doing a lot of customer and market research. At a startup, you will typically have no help. At at a big company, sure, you might have a user research arm. But at a startup, I had no help. Me and my designer, we just literally did all of these interviews ourselves. The third thing I would say is I felt like it helps to be a visionary and to feel like an owner. When I talked to the CEO um, about this idea, he was just like, go do it. He did not question it or second guess it at all. So it really helps to be to think like an owner and to be a visionary and to say, yeah, this is the mission. This is what I think can make it happen. And you go and make it happen. So mm-hmm. that was the third thing. I would also say I I had to figure out, like I said, knowing when my existing role wasn't working, right? That's what I felt, that they didn't really need a growth product manager and no one was forcing me to be a growth product manager. My title was just product manager. I could do whatever I wanted to. So also, like in addition to being comfortable with ambiguity, knowing when things are not working and feeling comfortable with making a pivot. That is also a very important skill in this role. So basically, technical versus business. And at this point, I feel like I'm keeping score and I really love yeah. this. So right now, growth <laughs> has business, data has technical. So we're one one, one business, one technical. Innovation yeah. product manager, which score does it have? <laughs> oh my God, I would say. <laughs> um, okay, so at Replit, I felt it was purely business and user empathy. I did not need any technical skills to talk to the users to understand what is it that they were struggling with. It was purely user empathy and just being comfortable talking to users that got me to the spot where I landed, that this is what we need to do and um, starting that learning platform. Um, I would say I have a counterexample from Google where Uh. the innovation PMs, as you would call them uh, by the definition, um, when I work with them, they are thinking about both business and technology because their job is to figure out what new technologies are coming in the market that we could leverage in the app to create new novel experiences. So there, to be honest, I don't see as much of a business lens as I see more of a technical lens where they're literally just score, just charging through like, oh, what are the competitors doing? What are the new technologies coming in? What would be something cool, new, innovative, groundbreaking to try? It may not be in service of your immediate business goals, but it does help get the ball rolling on really groundbreaking technology. And I think that's where more of a technical mindset is super helpful. So it's a tie uh, in innovation it's, product manager. 
I would say it's a tie. It okay, depends on which <laughs> company you're at. Yeah. Okay, so it's a tie. So I guess the last but not least, uh, since this is a war between business and technical now, it just occurred naturally. We yeah. have, last but not least, we have traditional product manager. All right, last but not least, we have the very famous traditional product management, the one that we hear all around and the one that we study actually here at the University of Texas at Dallas as well. I don't have anything specific to say about traditional product management, so I'll just let Ashwarya take this over. This is your classic feature delivery solving customer pain point kind of a product management role where you're really thinking about, hey, this is my product. What are the user problems with this? And then prioritizing, not always in a growthy fashion, which is which is very, very metric driven, but you're really thinking about, oh, how, how many users are experiencing this problem? How critical is this problem to solve? How good is the product at solving this problem? And then through some holistic product thinking, you're thinking about, okay, what is a user-centric design that can solve this particular problem for the user? Um, doing a lot of end-to-end -end user research, um, prototypes, asking people how they feel about the solutions, and then designing it and delivering it. This is where um, you're really just thinking about solving a very specific customer problems and a bunch of those customer problems to build out your roadmap. And this, a lot of people say, is the most fun because it's very design centric. So if you do, if you're very visual and if you have a design sense, I do think that this can be the most fun product management role. At least that's where I'm having the most fun. That's interesting. And I believe traditional PM is what we also study, what we also get at yep. university and everything else. So I guess this by its core is what all people are aware of, but growth, data, innovation, everything else is kind of new uh, progressions of traditional PM. Yep. So who can be a product manager and what skills are needed for this role? Yeah. So in my day-to-day, -day, this is the role that I'm doing right now. Um, I would say the skill sets are thinking very user first, really prioritizing your users and seeing what are the problems that they are struggling with and having a really good design sense. So holistic product thinking thinking through um, which user problems to solve and doing end-to-end -end user research with your UXRs, with your designers um, to solve those problems. Um, I think those are the key skills. Staying abreast of technology, like I said, for like an innovation PM at a big company who's trying to do groundbreaking work. Um, similarly for traditional PMing, it helps. It definitely helps to be aware of what new technologies are coming out there so that you can think of cool new features into your products is not it's not required i think it's more of um, a personal choice if you want to do it because as a traditional pm you your job is literally to create new features so if you do know some new technologies that are coming up you could create cool new features and that would be amazing that would be fulfilling for both you and it would be a great way to delight your customers. So staying abreast of new technologies definitely helps. Mm. Um, here again, I know you're going to ask the question. <laughs> I'm waiting because this will determine who's going to win. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I hate to do this to you. Um, Is it, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, here again, I would say business and technology is a oh, tie. It's a yes. tie. Okay. So see, so we have... Uh, so. Overall, no one's winning. It's half-half. Yep. Half. It's a tie. So business technology. So no one, no one's a winner here. Okay. No one is a winner here. 
It's a tie. So, I mean, we, it's clear now. So to be a product manager, <laughs> business of technology, one more than the other sometimes, uh, but equally important. But Aishwarya, also when you speak about technical skills, yep. is awareness enough of a technical skill, quote unquote? Uh, for example, if I'm a growth manager uh, yeah. and I'm aware of technologies, does it make me technical? Like what are what is technical skill? What are we referring to as technical skill here? Yeah, absolutely. I think when it comes to product management, it really depends, again, which role you're in and how technical you need to be, right? But it does help that you know enough about the tech stack of the product that you're working on that you can intelligently speak with your engineers. So if you are thinking of, let's say, launching a new feature, right? Um, you need to be able to understand the tech stack enough that you can think through what are the limitations that are keeping you from launching that product? Like, what are the technical limitations? And I think that's something you can build. I don't think it's a given that everyone will know all the technologies, especially mm -hmm. when you're not in your day-to-day, -day, when you're not in an engineering role. But just being, just having the mental fortitude and acumen to be able to read up on it and figure out, okay, at a high level, I understand this is what this technology enables and these exactly. are the limitations and just being able to talk to your engineers about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely, that's true. That's absolutely true. I agree with that. I was uh, looking at the market uh, before this, before I met with you. I was looking at the market yeah. of how does it stand on innovation in a traditional PM, and yep. all of them pretty much uh, pay pretty much the same average salaries in yep. the U.S. at least. So yep. it looks like the salary is one is not necessarily way much higher than the other. Uh, but so if we, you are about to say, from your opinion. Which one do you think is more needed at the current times, especially considering the market demands and the market conditions right now? If a product manager has all the skills, the, they can be growth, they can be data, they can be any anything. Which yeah. one do you think has the highest re return of investment uh, to chase? Personally, let's think about, like from a salary point of view, like you said, I, I didn't feel any uh, big change in salary. So I agree with you there. I think most of them pay almost the same amount. It might just differ company to company. Personally, the most fulfilling I found was indeed traditional PMing because it's so user centric. And if you have, if you are very empathetic to the user's problems, and if you're design focused, traditional slash core PMing is where you might find the most fulfilling um, role. Um, one other thing would be the innovation PM. That again is very tough because you're just you're just mulling in ambiguity and you need to figure out, hey, what is the next big opportunity? You might be slow to move, but once you really hit that goal mine, that might also be something very, very fulfilling as it was for me at, at Replit. So I would say those two. Mm -hmm. And your progression, Ashwarya, as you were telling, is quite natural. Like from one place to another, it went naturally yep. until you find what you like. But yep. uh, what is your advice to me and to other listeners who are just starting out like this? Should we also get a strategy of accepting whatever comes to our, our, our way and then naturally see what we're going to do, what we like? Or should we plan from the very beginning of which PM style I want and chase that? What is a good yep. strategy here? That's a great question. So for me, what worked was at the time, I found it very easy to transition into the growth PM role. And I actually enjoyed it. I don't know if I would have taken something like a data PM, which um, I really struggle with. But a growth PM role to me seemed like I would enjoy it. And that's the opportunity that I got. So it kind of worked out for me. 
But for everyone, I think my advice typically is that if your end game is generally product management, you should try to get into something that will improve your chances of success, right? So if you are very analytically savvy, you may find more success in growth product management and you might yourself be successful that will allow you to maybe go and explore other product managements, right? But let's say you jumped headlong into platform product management. Platform product management is another thing like it's very different. You're just thinking about like, how do you create, let's say you're a platform product management for AWS. There you're thinking about how do I scale delivery that other people can use these cloud resources. Very different ballgame altogether, right? And you may find yourself struggling a little bit if you go from, hey, I'm data savvy to let me go and become a platform PM. So my advice typically to people is try and find something that is close to the skills that you already have and then go from there. Because if you like what you first try, you can always go deep. And if you don't, you can try and go laterally. You don't need to just take whatever comes to you first. Don't do that. Um, I feel like that would be a recipe for disaster, you might like really hate what what you're getting into. So definitely try and find something that you enjoy. And that is that has at least some good overlap with your current skill set that will give you a chance of success. Okay, I told you this episode is going to be worth it. And at least for me, it was. And remember, all the questions that I make here, I generally care for myself first, because I'm trying to learn. I'm learning just like you are learning as well. So in case you are a growth product manager potential, but you're working in data products, do not doubt yourself because there's still room for you in product management. You just have to find your product management type and work on chasing it. Now, I was interested to know whether a new product management type will be born. And if you guessed AI product management, yes. What else? You might have noticed everywhere people are talking about AI product management, right? Oh, no, I haven't. <laughs> oh my God, 100 times a day. 100 times a day, yeah. Everyone is talking about how yeah. can you become an AI product manager. Um, and I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't give that a nod and say, yeah, right, that I guess we're AI all expecting that, management. but we just needed exactly. to hear that from you. <laughs> exactly. That AI product management will be the next frontier. Um, I would also tell you, okay, I, I'm not an AI product manager, but I have um, done AI courses. So I understand mm. the technology and um, what goes behind it. I find it very similar to data product management, honestly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, like building a lot of models and thinking through like the model structure, right? Like how to make AI better. Um, okay. I, it's, it doesn't sound, it's not as fun as it sounds then. I, that's what I, <laughs> <laughs> I should try an AI role before I say this, but in my head, I feel like one part of AI product management is going to be very similar to data because that's what you're working with, right? You're mm. working through like, how do you parse lots and lots of data and then create these amazing models that can be used to um, to be plugged into actual products. Okay, this is it. These are the different types of product management. If you didn't find your product management type yet, go ahead, research more about each type and good luck on finding your product management type. Thank you so much for listening to the Product League Podcast. See you at the next episode.